Now, um, Sean Kennedy, he, who's a teacher at Palisade High School, and uh, is your, there he is right back there. Hey, Sean, wanna, wa raise your, wave your hand. No, come on, man. Wait. You, ha you don't have to come up. I'm, ju I'm just saying that, okay. Um, you, you talked to me after the Wednesday night service about a meeting that just happened in our valley concerning suicide prevention. And uh, it sounds, again, like the number one thing that they are finding out is why people are wanting to take their own life. The number one thing is because they have lost their purpose to live. It got so strong and the oppression got so great connected with a frustrated or loss of purpose that they thought they weren't worth anything anymore. Life would be better. The pain would be less if they would just take their own life. And the Grand Valley has had one of the highest statistics of suicide rate even in the whole country. I mean, it's not the highest, but it's a very, very high rate. And no wonder the Lord has quickened your pastor to teach on finding your greatest purpose. Because that's what will fulfill you. That's what the devil's trying to take from you. But that's what you can hold on to. And that's what will help you see it to the end where you actually break the tape at the end and say, I didn't just start the race, I finished the race. And so if that's, if that's the findings, and, and I knew in my heart that's what, well, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter, I think it's Proverbs 29, it says, where there's no vision, people perish. But then it says, happy are those who have a vision and keep it and do it. And so one of the number one biblical reasons, as well as the statistics that we're seeing, is people don't want to live if they have nothing to live for. Well, God has a ton of purpose for you to live for. Everybody on this planet, you have a heavenly vision, a powerful purpose, and if you will find it, focus on it, and do everything you can to run that race, you will be happy. No man will be able to take your joy from you. You'll have rewards in this life, many in the life to come. You'll have a satisfaction that drugs and money and alcohol can't fulfill in you. There's nothing like being in and doing what God created you to do. And a lot of people in life are sad, they're depressed because they've never taken seriously finding out what does heaven want me to do? Not just what do I want to do? Not just what does my parents want me to do? Not just what does the world say is a successful thing to do? You will never be truly happy. You may get some things, but there are some things money can't buy that only being in the will of God can produce in your life true joy that the world can't give or take away, peace that the world can't give or take away, things that multi-billionaires would give all their money to have, you can have it and have no money by being in the perfect will of God. And of course, that will attract help physically as well. So turn to Acts chapter 26. This is Paul the Apostle, a man just like us, who had to find out the will of God for his life and decide to do it and to run the race God set before him. He didn't have to do what he did, but he chose to do it. And he had a tremendous life. He lived to be Paul the aged. He'd fought a good fight. He'd finished his course. He'd kept the faith. And he knew there was a crown that the righteous judge had laid up for him at that day. And he was very thrilled and satisfied because he did God's will. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was going the right direction. All right, so look here in Acts chapter 26. He's actually talking to King Agrippa about a visitation Paul had with the Lord Jesus when his life totally changed from being a terrorist to an apostle. And he's finishing up in verse 18. He said, The Lord called me to open the eyes of these Gentiles and to turn them from darkness to light 
and from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them, which is sanctified by faith that is in me, Jesus said. And then Paul says in verse 19, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, because see, he was relating what the Lord had said to him, Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. Now, why say heavenly vision, not just vision? Because there's a bunch of visions that are going to try to come your way to get you to hook up with that aren't the best for your life. Heavenly vision, the adjective heavenly, is there because it's showing you that you need to make sure that what you're doing for your life is coming from above. God has a plan for your life. You can dream up a plan. It'd be nothing compared to what God has for your life. You could dream up a vision. It'd be nothing compared to the heavenly vision. God knows you better than you know you. How many think it would be worth it to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Once in a while, like every day, you know? I mean, think it'd be good to get direction every day from the Lord about what He wants you to do, how He wants you to do it, where He wants you to do it. Well, Paul took it very serious, and he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. So there's a heavenly vision, and then there's your vision, and then there's somebody else's vision, and then there's the world's vision for your life. My suggestion in God's Word to you is make sure before you waste a bunch of time, money, and energy upon things you think are okay, make sure it's connected to God's plan for your life and not just something you want to do. Because I'm telling you guys, you will never reach the fullness of joy or peace or contentment unless you're doing what heaven's called you to do. That's why you could have a billion dollars and put a gun to your head. That's why people have. That's why people have overdosed on drugs. And that's why people have been found dead because they drank themselves. These people were millionaires. They had tons of money showing us just because you got the stuff and the money doesn't mean you're going to be happy and fulfilled. Right? I mean, even Jim Carrey gets it. Jim Carrey said, you know, I wish everybody... See, he'd become rich and famous. He said, after that, he said, Jim Carrey was quoted saying... I wish everybody could be rich and famous so they could find out that's not what satisfies. Or you could just take it from people's words and not have to go through all that hell, right? And just learn from the experience of others and realize, you know what? You're never going to be happy. You're always going to be thirsty if you haven't found God's will for your life. And He's not playing hide and seek with His will. Just seek Him purposefully. Be serious about knowing what He wants you to do, and He will reveal to you. But don't expect God to work like a microwave oven. Right. You know, 60 seconds later, okay, thank you. God. It may take, well, actually, you know what? The way this works best is living so close to Him, you are constantly getting daily bread. Jesus said, pray that he would give us this day our daily bread. He expects to talk to you every day. Even if you have a part of the plan, even if you know and you got some direction, he wants to talk to you about details every day. And you talk about a fulfilled life. You talk about rolling out of bed and wanting to go to work. You talk about living versus just existing. It happens when you're in God's will for your life. Very important stuff. What an interesting thing is, to me, the greatest competitor to us living in the perfect will of God is our own wants and desires. You've got to learn to submit and yield and, and you've got to remind yourself daily that God's smarter than me. 
it'd be dumb not to look to him every day. He's been around a little longer than us. He knows things that we don't know. So turn to Ezra chapter 4. Ezra 4. The children of Israel got a purpose from God. Build the wall. Everybody say build the wall. God gave Israel a plan to build a wall. Anybody remember? Anybody read Nehemiah and Ezra? Huh? Would God ever tell somebody to build a wall? Come on, church. Would God ever tell somebody to build a wall? Huh? No, you can, you can build a wall out of your own want, I guess, but would God ever tell you to build a wall? Now, if you ever look at the New Jerusalem coming down from heaven, it says it has a wall. And it talks about 12 angels stationed at 12 gates to enter into that city. We'd call that security. But the gates are open. Just got to, you know, come the right way. And uh, it's interesting because God believes in walls. And so do we. We have houses with no, no walls, right? No, we all have walls in our houses. Um, but it's interesting because they got a vision from the Lord, and you talk about demonic opposition to building this wall. Oh my goodness. There were people wanting to kill, spitting venom, just not... I mean, they were coming against God's people, and they actually had a little bit of success, as you read in this verse, but thank God we know through the writings of Nehemiah, the wall got built, God's will was done, and you talk about rejoicing and blessing. Whew! After they did what the Lord told them to do, the glory of God hit. So in Ezra chapter 4, they're, they're, they got their instructions from the Lord, and don't think, you're, don't think that finding and fulfilling God's purpose for your life is just going to be this sweet little, oh, how fun. You're going to have some opposition. Because as you fulfill God's purpose for your life, you're going to begin to radiate with some blessings that are very obvious came from the Lord. And that's going to be attractive to people, and the devil doesn't want people knowing the goodness of God in your life. So, Ezra chapter 4, look at verse 5. Uh, look at verse 4. It said, Then the people of the land weakened the hands of the people of Judah, the enemies weakened the hand, and troubled them in building. And they hired counselors, spent money against them to frustrate their purpose. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even unto the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So what was the enemy trying to do to the, to the people of God? Frustrate their purpose. And now I'm going to tell you that the people that were coming against God's people... They didn't know they were doing something inspired by the devil. They thought they were doing something. Who knows why? They, who knows what they had their mind on or what their motives were involved with. But their number one goal and the enemy behind the scene is there to frustrate their purpose. How many of you know we need to be on guard for that? Things are going to try to frustrate your purpose, come against you, oppose you to doing what the Lord's called you to do. You just mark it down. There's going to be some opposition, but you can overcome all of it in Jesus' name. I wanted you to see that. Um, you know, I thought I'd maybe just take a little pause right here just for, for one second. Let me, 
Let me address this suicide thing in our, in our valley and wherever. If you're watching online and you're not from here, wherever you're at, I'm sure there's people being touched by this all over the place. There's a word from God for people who are contemplating ending their life. There's a word in the scriptures. Uh, why don't we turn there? Go to Acts chapter 16. There's a specific phrase from the heart of God that if you will hear this with your spirit, it'll save your life. And you say, well, I don't want my life saved. I want to die. Well, when you hear this and it gets in your heart, you're going to realize that you don't want to die. Because you're more valuable than the thoughts that have been coming to you telling you. You're not valuable. Nobody cares. You're not worth anything. Lie, lie, lie. Total lie. I know the devil has a way of making these lies feel like they're real. Lie. Lie, lie. He'll come with a feeling, come with a suggestion, remind you of all the terrible things people have done to you, tell you all this, tell you, bring a feeling, bring these thoughts like a machine gun ball. You're not, you might as well just leave. Life's never getting any better. You're no good. Blah, 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 blah. I have a word for you. You want to know what it is? It's from the Lord. And it's based on not listening to the lies of the devil that are telling you it's over, unrepair, unrepairable. And it's found right here, and I'll read it, but I'm going to say it to you, first of all, under the anointing. Do yourself no harm. Because the thoughts that are coming to you are lies. Total lies. Everybody say, do yourself no harm. That's a word from the Lord to you. And there's power behind it to pull you out of the darkness, out of the confusion, out of the oppression. Listen to those words. Do yourself no harm. That's coming from the Lord. Why would He be telling you that? Because doing yourself harm is not His will. It is no way, shape, or form His will. Now, now, listen, having the thoughts you've had, having those thoughts of taking your life, don't feel bad. Great men of God have had those thoughts. Moses talked about, Lord, I just want to come home early, man, and take these people any farther. And Elijah had some thoughts, and there's other. Having thoughts is not terrible. Just don't yield to them. Right. Thoughts come to everybody. But now look here. I just wanted to show you this kind of as a, something I need to put in here, because I think some people need to hear those words right now. Do yourself no harm. Because the harm you're thinking about doing yourself is all based on a lie. Look at this. Uh, Acts 16 Paul and Silas got thrown in jail for preaching the gospel, the innermost prison. All the prisoners are there. Everybody's locked up. The jailer's keeping them safely. And it says at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God in the innermost prison, by the way, not in a comfortable church. <laughs> at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands were loosed. So they were praising God in the midst of jail, doing what they didn't feel like doing, and a miracle happened. They all got, the, the doors flew open in all their cells. And the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep and seeing that the prison doors were open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself Supposing, oh, uh, what's this based on? What's he about ready to kill himself? What is all that based on? He's supposing something. Yeah. 
Well, I just suppose it's not going to get any better. I just suppose that it's over. And the devil's right there saying, yeah, it's over, man. You're no good. You've mounted to nothing. Look how, look how old you are. Look how many marriages you've been through. Look at all the terrible things you've done. Look at all those filthy things you got involved with. Look at this. Look at that. He would have killed himself supposing that the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do yourself no harm. We're all here. So if he would have killed himself, supposing that they'd all fled, he would have left his body, looked down and said, oh, uh, they didn't leave. <laughs> How many people have taken their own life believing a lie? Mm -hmm. Supposing this, supposing that. And we say to anybody in this room and anybody watching right now, don't believe the lies and stop supposing it's as bad as you feel it is. Lie, lie, lie. Everybody goes through stuff. Everybody hurts. Everybody goes through a little hell on earth. Everybody messes up. Everybody's been messed with. It's time to get a super ball and throw it on the ground and see how that thing bounces. The harder you throw it, the higher it bounces. Carlos shared a message a couple Wednesdays ago. Bounce back. Don't listen to the lies. Do yourself no harm. It's not as bad as the devil says it is. Why was he going to do himself harm? Because the devil was telling him they're all gone. I'm going to die anyway. I mean, they're going to kill me in the morning anyway because all the prisoners are gone. That was a miracle, right? We, we look at the miracle of everybody's doors flying open. Greater miracles are all still there. They're sensing the presence of God here. And they know a man's life is at stake. And not only did the jailer get saved that night, when Paul said, do yourself no harm, he threw his sword down, ran in, saw everybody there. Sprang in with a light, saw everybody there. And he decided, he said, what do I need to do to be saved? The presence of God was thick in that prison cell. And it said he went, washed all their stripes because Paul and Silas were beaten for preaching the gospel. He got them all cleaned up. He called all his household in. The jailer and his whole household got saved because a man of God said, do yourself no harm. The devil's lying to you. We're all here. Imagine what kind of ministry lies ahead of you that have been tempted to end it all. You know why one of the reasons the pressure is so strong to get you to end your life? Because the devil has a glimpse of your future and the powerful things that are going to happen through you and helping other people out of holes as deep as you've been in and deeper. That's just right around the corner. Why would the devil be putting such pressure on you to leave here if he didn't know there was something great just around the corner? He doesn't waste ammo. One of the sometimes you can tell how great things are ahead by how much opposition is coming to you at the present. Got a lot of opposition coming against you? I wonder what the devil sees around the corner. Why would he be wasting ammo on you if you weren't headed for something great? He doesn't know everything, but he can see a few things. He can hear conversations of other people about ready to promote you and to help and to bless you and help you. So say this again. Do yourself no harm. If you would please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And now I want to talk to you a little bit about your purpose in God's church. <laughs> All right. Thank you for your enthusiasm. I don't think people have realized it, but depression and anxiety and, and things like that a lot of times can be fixed immediately if people would find their purpose in God's church. 
And I know that's a big statement. I'm going to show you some scriptures to back that up. But I want to talk to you about when you find out where you fit, your life will be much sweeter. I don't like saying the children's church needs help or you can serve in the media department. I decided to change my vocabulary in that area when it comes to people helping in the church. We decided to say children's church has opportunities for you to fulfill your purpose. Hmm? Housekeeping in Faith Heights Church has opportunities and openings for you to fulfill your purpose. The Lord is so big on things that a lot of people think are so little. Because He sees heart, He sees motives, He sees you, know, you doing things and there's no glam to it, there's nobody clapping for you. Things like that are huge to the head of the church, the Lord Jesus. Big deal. And I know that our helps department also includes people who pray. They, they've, they've taken the responsibility and, and the privilege to pray for the church, to be a support financially to the church. But there's also teams in local churches that you can be a part of. And when you realize you're serving, do you realize that, I'm going to just talk about this church right now. Because we didn't just decide to start a church. The Lord led us supernaturally to start this church. Do you realize that this is the Lord's church? Hmm? You have to remind yourself of that at times, that this is the Lord. You're not just serving pastor. You're not just serving the people around you, although you are. God takes it personal. This is the Lord's church. And the imperfections in the church don't make it not the Lord's church. It's still the Lord's church, even if your pastor does make a mistake. And we tell people, don't go to a church just because of a pastor or a praise team. Go to church because the Lord wants you there. Because when, not if, when that pastor or that member of the praise team or that leader in a church does something you don't like, you're still just as committed because you you're there for the Lord first and foremost, not for the person you can physically see. You know, we, you know the perfect church for you will be an imperfect church? Did you know that? The perfect church for you will be an imperfect church because there's no such thing as a perfect, full, complete stature of Christ's church yet. We're all on our way, quick. But the perfect fit for you is where you know in your heart and you know because you're getting fed, you know that the scriptures are coming for, Jesus is exalted, you know that, you know, you can tell just perceiving certain things and knowing by the scriptures. But a lot of times the perfect church at first, you'll know that you know that you know that you know this is it. And people will say, oh, man, I've never heard preaching like that. Oh, the song service is amazing. Yeah, wonderful. But that's not, that's not what you're feeling. You're sensing a divine connection. You're interpreting it as, wow, this is the best sermon I've ever heard. Or, wow, this is the best music I've ever heard. Probably not. What you're sensing is this is where you fit. You're interpreting it as it's because of the message or it's because of the music or it's because of this or it's because of that. What you're sensing is a divine connection. And you need to realize it's deeper than just agreeing with everything the first time you went there. You're actually sensing the Lord saying, this is where you and your family belongs. 
it may be or it may not be where your children want to go. Come on, your children are not capable of deciding which church your family should attend. This is up to the parents. You need to be praying, seeking the Lord, and sensing these things as you do go and as the Lord leads you. Huge deal. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, let me show you a couple verses here. And let's look at verse 18. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. The Bible says, but now God, but now has God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased Him. So really, it's not us deciding. It's us discovering where He wants us. You can set yourself in a church anywhere you want, but that doesn't mean that's where God wants you set. And, you know, it's all based on free will. It's all based on loving the Lord. God's not going to push or make anybody do anything. You have, we have to submit ourselves to the Lord. He's not going to make us submit. And any godly leader is not going to make you submit either. The Bible constantly uses this phrase, submit yourselves. Submit yourselves. Even in the area of husbands and wives, it's wives, submit yourselves. Husbands, stop trying to make your wives submit. It's not talking to you in that verse. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto the Lord. And husbands, it's not hard for them to submit to their husbands if you're loving them like Christ loved the church. I'm so glad that Carla and Rachel, uh, uh, Isaac are going to share this again because... Women need to know the truth. I mean, they need to know, listen, there are situations you just need to get out. You might need to know how, pray about that, seek some counsel on that. But there's some situations you just need to... I mean, it's just, it's just time. And then, you know, trust the Lord to manifest angels if He has to. <laughs> He'll give you wisdom on how to do it right. And I don't care how big and gorilla-like the man is, angels are bigger. Yes, they are. And the protection of God is greater. Amen? And He will protect. He will greatly protect. All right, so, verse 18 says, God has set members in the body as it has pleased who? Yeah. Him. We may always be, or we may not always be pleased with where He wants us. But if He's pleased, your life will be way better. Right. Amen? Now, let me just, let me meddle a little bit here before we go on. I've already started, but um, when you find the place that God wants you in a church, you're going to find a family. And you're, you're going to find a bunch of people that you fit perfect with. That doesn't mean you're going to agree with everything. As a matter of fact, you'd never develop in submission if you always agreed with leadership. Are you listening? Developing spiritually is not always comfortable. Right. You're going to have to endure some things as a good soldier. You're going to have to learn to not break rank when you feel like breaking rank. Right. And that, now, whether you realize or not, in the last couple of minutes, I'm going to share, but I didn't want you doing this for the blessings. So let me just share this and then we'll get to the blessings of doing what I'm talking to you about, okay? Because they're out of this world, the blessings. But when it comes to spiritual development, and when it comes to submission, the Bible talks about submitting to God 
and then resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you want your resisting of the devil to work, you better be a submitted person to God. And submitting to God is submitting to his word. And his word talks about submitting to people. Amen. Boy, if I had a drummer up there, I would have had a drum roll right then. <laughs> submitting to God a lot of times is submitting to people. People that you've seen imperfections in. People that aren't 100% like Jesus yet. Nevertheless, they're God sent. They're there to help. They're there to be a blessing. Uh, let, me, let me share with you a scripture probably not many people have in their refrigerator. You know, those scriptures that you like to put in front of you because they excite you and woo! Let me tell you a scripture probably not many people have on their mirror or their refrigerator. Hebrews chapter 13. Obey those that have the rule over you and submit yourself to such, for they watch over your souls. How many got that scripture on your refrigerator? Obey those that have the rule over you and submit yourselves because godly leaders will not make you submit. Anybody that's trying to push and force, they've gotten out of godly leadership. So can I ask one more time? How many of you have that scripture on your refrigerator? Oh. Obey those that have the rule over you. Would God ever tell us to do something that wouldn't be good for us? This is a principle, this is a heart thing that starts to develop on the inside of you that makes life so much supernaturally better than you could ever just by doing your own thing or your own way. We live in a generation that's very hard for this generation to take orders. And that's one of the reasons this generation is sick. That's one of the reasons that, that the devil's not leaving some people when they resist. That's one of the reasons people's prayers are hindered. There's something about learning submission. Did you, do you know that submission to God or God-appointed leadership is not agreement with leadership. A lot of people think they're really committed and submitted because they agree with the organization. They agree with the leaders. They agree. They go, man, I am committed to this church. I am submitted here. We don't know if you're committed or submitted until you're told to do something you don't want to do. Because submission is not agreement. You don't even know if you're submitted until you feel like taking a hike. You don't even know if you're committed until you're pressured with everything against you to bail. Let, let me just tell you guys how important your part in the church is from my perspective. When somebody decides to stop doing something, you know, just, I'm done. This big hole is left. <laughs> I mean, somebody, because we take this very seriously. If somebody doesn't show up for children's church that was supposed to show up, that's a huge deal to God. He's, you know, he's big on taking care of the lambs. But the, the other interesting thing is if somebody doesn't show up that's supposed to show up, guess who's got to do it now? Somebody else. Right. <laughs> who's got to do your job. Right. And that's a big deal. Well, it's just a church, Pastor. Just the body of Christ. That's all we are. Just, just the body of Christ, you know, hanging out once in a while on a Sunday, you know, not doing very much. Come on. This is the Lord's church. Yeah. He sees every piece of paper picked up off the floor mm -hmm. and has already got a reward for it for the person that does it. And if you're doing it not to be seen of men and you're doing it because you love the Lord, the reward is bigger. Amen. There's going to be big rewards for a lot of little things done. 
as I was praying this morning, getting ready for the service, you know, last week we talked about how we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 says we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ, not to be judged whether we go to heaven or hell. We're Christians. We're going to be judged for things we did in the body, in the church. And the Bible talks about rewards being given to some and others not getting any rewards, but they're saved and they get to go to heaven. And I know right now we say, well, I don't care about rewards, but wait till, wait till that meeting in the sky. You're going to care about rewards. I'd say start being interested in what the Lord's wanting to give you. And so it says they're going to be all, we're all going to stand before him and all the works that we did on the earth are going to come before us and they're going to be tried by fire. And, and Jesus said, Paul said by the Holy Ghost, he said, some people's works are going to be proven to be gold, silver, and precious stones. Fire couldn't touch them, just made them brighter. But then the fires, he said, some of the works are going to be likened unto wood, hay, and stubble. Works. They did works on the earth. Maybe hard works. Maybe they were big in man's eyes. But if they're wood, hay, and stubble because of wrong motives or just doing good things that the Lord never told you to do, you know, not... That stuff's going to go up. I don't want my life's work to be referred to as stubble. So I want to make sure that what I'm spending my time, money, and energy on is something coming from above, not just something I want to do. And the Lord shared this with me this morning. He said, just because it's big does not mean it's gold. It could be a big pile of stubble. <laughs> Are you listening to me? It could be a big pile of hay. What happens to wood stay in Hubble in fire? Poof. Gone. So what should we do? We need to make sure that we're doing what he wants us to do. It didn't say David served his generation. It said King David served his generation a certain way by the will of God. Now, I know most people's life is going to consist of things they're doing beyond these four walls. But Every believer should be involved in the church one way or another. Did you know that what we get in church, we're supposed to be taking out these four walls? I mean, how sad to go to church for two, three years and never share one little thing with anybody around you when you're not in church. That'd be weird. We're God's garden. Yeah. He wants things growing out of us. He wants fruit so people can pick and see. Yeah. Yeah. We really, it's time to cast aside fear and to realize Jesus is not an add-on. His plan and purpose is not an add-on. He's my life. For me, to live is Christ. And if I have room for anything else to add on, I may add it on. But God's not an add-on. He is my life. Hmm? But many believers, the reality is God's an add-on because they just flat out do not have the time to put his things first. Thinking, I'm just so maxed out. How in the world could I pray for the church in that prayer meeting? How in the world could I serve in that team? How in the world could I do that? God knows I'm so maxed out. He knows that you're overbooked doing a ton of stuff that he never authorized. 
Serving the Lord would be easy and fun if you just delete all that stuff he never told you to do. Stuff you feel like you have to do. All these commitments because you're, you didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings. I think it's time we start thinking a little bit more about God's feelings. I know as a pastor of a church, you know, we have brainstorm sessions now and then and heartstorming sessions now and then with staff and leaders. And we think, okay, what do you think, would, what do you think would, would attract more people? Let me tell you, this is what I always come back to. You know what will attract more people? Is finding out what God wants and doing it instead of what people want and doing that. God knows what people need even more than those people know what they need. <laughs> right? We don't even, you can do survey after survey, and, and that's fine, that's okay, and glean, and then pray at least, right? And then decide. But when it all comes down to it, your needs are going to be met, not because I ask you what do you need and then give you what you need. Your needs are going to be met because I'm asking God what you need and giving Him what He knows you really need. You know what I mean? A lot of times our needs are based on uh, surface stuff. Stuff we feel we want, stuff we think we want. There's root issues that need to be dealt with if we want all this to be right. And God only knows those root issues. Right? Somebody comes, I, you know what I need, Pastor? I, 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 I just, man, I need prosperity, man. I mean, I need help in the financial area. And God will say, that's not what they need. They need something that's been blocking. They need to get something out of the way that's been blocking prosperity. And so they're thinking, Pastor, give me some teachings on prosperity, or Pastor, give us this or give us that. And the Lord says, no, give them teachings on how to treat their wife better because that's why their prayers are hindered. <laughs> or teach them how to walk in love better because their faith's not working at all as long as they're violating love left and right. See, God cares about root problems being fixed so you don't just have an apple. You've got an apple tree that's constantly producing because God deal with the root. But you have to, you know, as a pastor of the church, I have to think about that and ask myself these questions a lot. You know, what, what do you want, Lord? Because, you know, I, I'm going to just wrap this up here, but I think sometimes people think that, and, and, and I know, you know, you can take this wrong, but I think sometimes people think, well, pastor's pretty much going to do what he wants to do in the church, and, and, you know, when he comes up to me with an idea, it's because pastor got a nice idea. And I, I have to say to you that I really don't do what I want to do in this church. I didn't do what my mom wanted to do. I don't do what Carla wants to do. I don't do... So why would I want to do what you want to do? <laughs> Pastor, I think you should do this. Well, but we don't do, we don't do what we want to do. We do what He wants us to do. Not that we never have any God ideas. Not that anything doesn't ever come to our spirits. But really when it comes right down to it, Lord, what do you want? Because if we're doing what He wants, we're going to be living high. We're going to be operating in great things. All right, so in closing, let me just share this with you. I told you we would do this before we close, and i got to close here. So turn to, um, oh, just, you're still there on 1 Corinthians 12. Look, look at verse 21. Paul is referring to the church as being like a human body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again can the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Well, Jesus is the head of the body of Christ. And he can't say to the other members, I don't need you. So I guess one of the motivations to being involved in your purpose in the local church is just realizing God needs you. I think we have to balance out what we need and receive from the church as opposed to what the Lord needs us in the church for. Yes, you're going to receive, but you also got something to give. 
This is a great thing. This is a powerful thing. And I know um, I've given testimony time and time again about what being committed to God's church has done for Carla and I. And we're talking way before we were in paid ministry and receiving a salary and, and all that. We, um, we came to the realization, I mean, and t- the things the Lord has brought us through. You talk about fire and water. And, and I can tell you honestly, it's because of our love and our affection toward the local church. Because if I would have said Jesus, that's too invisible. How do you really know you're committed to the Lord and He's in heaven? Because you're committed to what He loves in the earth. What is the church? It's His body. So our commitment to the church is our commitment to the Lord. Do you ever read that scripture? It says, do good to all men, but especially those of the household of faith. Why? Because we're talking about personally blessing the Lord. Jesus didn't appear to Saul who was tormenting and harassing Christians and blaspheming and injuring and wasting the church. Jesus didn't appear and say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That means the wrong that we do to the church or the good that we do to the church, he takes it totally personal. So don't think you're just serving babies. Don't just think you're serving on the media team. You are serving the body of Christ. The vision on this church, it's still fully intact. We are called to reach this valley and beyond by the power of God. We are called to make a difference in this stupid suicide rate. We're called to push back the powers of darkness, and we need everybody available to do it. Do you know a lot of the people out there are going to see Jesus in your commitment to your church? They can't see him physically and visibly. They're going to have to see him in something in our lives. They see him and they see him in our commitments to the things. Man, you go to church a lot, but I've also noticed you've got a lot of peace, even when things aren't going right. You get through things. Your family made it through some things. Are you recovered and started afresh, and things are going well, or whatever? So just just listen to this now. I'm just going to quote it to you. Ephesians 2, 19 through 21 talks about being fitly framed together as a church and growing up into a holy temple. Everybody has a part fitly framed together. Hebrews chapter 6 says that God is not unrighteous to forget your work and your labor of love, which you showed toward his name in that you've ministered to the saints and do minister. And in John 15, if you're here with us last week, let's just turn to the scripture. We'll close with John 15. John chapter 15, we will close with this scripture. Everybody say, Jesus needs me. me. That's a revelation, isn't it? The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. John 15, we read the whole thing last week, talking about Jesus is the vine, the true vine. The Father is the gardener. We are the branches, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it may bring forth more fruit. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Verse 6, if any man abide in me, 
abide not in me, is cast forth as a branch. Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. And then it says in verse 8, Herein is my Father glorified that you, each one of you believers, bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples, not just believer, you want to disciple now. The Father has loved me even as I have loved you. Continue in my love. If you love me, keep my commandments. That's cool, isn't it? If you, commit, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. So what's He talking about in all these verses? Somebody tell me. Talking about staying put where you're supposed to be. Because you don't have to stay put. Now, you, you, you can leave home and still be in the family of God, like the prodigal son. You know, people say you can't break fellowship with the Lord. They're, they're just wrong. The prodigal son still was a son, though he left home and started fellowshipping with other people in a far country, right. wasting his inheritance. You following me? Mm -hmm. But the prodigal son, it got really, really bad. Famine, eaten with the pigs, decided to come home, and the father received him gladly. He did break fellowship. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Big time. And let me tell you another way you break fellowship with the Lord. You break fellowship with His kids, His people on the earth. Talk, the Bible talks about having fellowship one with another means we're walking in the light and we're right with Him. God's designed the system in such a way where you can't love Him and hate your brother. You can't love Him and be in strife with your brothers and sisters. He's so big on relationships. He said, if you've got something between you and somebody that, a brother or a sister in the Lord or a spouse or whatever, if, you, if there's something wrong there and you come to church with your gift and your offering, leave it there. But Lord, I'm in church. Leave it there. There's something a little more important than you lifting up your offering right now and saying, praise you, Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's called go get things right with anybody you can get right with that you know you're supposed to be right with. Apologize, do whatever you got to do, then come and offer your gift. Right. Hmm? Mm -hmm. It's important. There's times when Carl and I, we've had disagreements, and I knew I could not get up behind the pulpit until I said I was sorry or did something on my end to make peace because I don't care how much I've studied, it doesn't work. God's like, doesn't even talk to me if I don't get it right. I'm praying and praying and praying, just like, ding, ding, ding. It's like this metal heaven. It's like, ding, ding. Well, what's wrong, Lord? It says, well, you need to get, get right with my daughter. Because apologize. But I wasn't, I wasn't wrong. Well, apologize for not doing it better than you did. You know, the conversation, just, you can always do it better, so apologize for that. Make peace. Yes. So here's the verse, you ready? He's talking about abiding and staying and remaining in the Lord and in His love. And he says in verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that you might have a very hard life, gray, never having any fun, say goodbye to pleasure. No, no. What did he say? These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that's a pretty big dose of joy, and that your joy might be full. So any thought or feeling that comes to you that says serving in your church or serving the Lord or living for God is a drag and you won't like it, rebuke the lies of the devil. Jesus said, if you do these things, your joy is going to be full. Right? Jesus said, he's at the well, you know, talking to that, that lady about eternal life. And his disciples come back and said, Jesus, have you eaten? It's been a long time. You're ministering to the slave. Have you eaten? He said, I have meat to eat that you guys don't know nothing about. And he said in John chapter 4, he said, my meat, in other words, 
And I want you to think about this next time you eat a meal and you're really satisfied. I'm like, man, that was good. He said, my meat, my satisfaction, my nourishment is to do the will of him that sent me. Amen. Devil says, oh, it's so hard. Let me tell you what's hard. It's hard trying to cram God's will into your already overbooked schedule. Get rid of the overbooked schedule and God will fit perfect in your life and you'll find out that prosperity and peace and joy will come a lot easier than thinking you have to get it all on your own. Trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. We did this even with some of our house chores. We got a, somebody to help with our house cleaning regularly. We got somebody to mow our lawn. We got people to help with meals. We, we've done it. We found this out because I can't, we can't do all that and still have God in our life like he's supposed to be. So you know what we decided to do? We decided to trust God for more money to be able to hire these things and give these people some work while we're putting God first and doing everything we can. And hopefully those people are doing the same in their life. Oh, we can't do that. Oh, I, mean, I mean, it's so interesting to think that the husband expects the wife to do all this stuff and she works just as much as the husband. It's like, why don't you all just come to a, a nice compromise agreement and say, let's just hire somebody to do this stuff around the house so we can not be stretched in our service in the church and we cannot be stretched with our devotions at home and we can do everything God's... It's okay. Nothing wrong. With having people help you in these areas, that's their calling. That's where they're gifted. Let's give them some good work and tip them real well, right? Yeah. Stand up, church. <laughs> Say this. I, I am going to make room for the things of God. Say it again. I, I am going to make room for the things of God. I am going to analyze all my involvements. To make, sure to make sure I have time, I have time for, my purpose, for my greatest purpose, which includes, which includes but not limited to, limited to my, place my place in Jesus' church. church.